Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. I'm Saranya Barak, and I am the founder of Code Newbie, and I'm also the host of the Command Line Heroes podcast produced by Red Hat. And at Code Newbie, we produce content for people who are learning how to code. I'm based in New York City. So I just increase my prices every so often to test the market. That's really what it is. Like, there's no formula to it. My first speaking fee price came from the fact that it was just offered to me. Um, I've been speaking for free for maybe a handful of conferences. And then this one conference was like, I'll give you, how much was it? Was it like $1,000? I think it was like 1000 maybe 1500 bucks to speak at. And I didn't ask for it. That's just the speaking fee that they were giving all the speakers. And I was like, oh, wow, I can get paid to do this. It's crazy. <laughs> After that happened, I was like, from now on, my speaking fee is $1,000. And then after maybe like a year of that, I was like, let's try 1500 and see what happens. And then that was fine. And then I said, okay, what about like 2000 And then that was acceptable. And then I was like, okay, what about like 25 You know, I just kept yeah. increasing it just every six months to a year until now I charge five. And not everyone says yes. People definitely like, balk at that, you know, occasionally. And they go like, what? Like, we don't pay our speakers at all, which is fine. Like, I totally get that, you know, not everyone can afford a speaking fee. Just depending on the conference, not everyone just does a speaking fee. It's just not an expected part of the the community, which I totally, as a conference organizer, I understand that. But that's my fee. And frankly, because I've done enough speaking gigs that it's not something that I require for my career, if that makes sense. Like, I think that speaking can be a really powerful way of getting a job. It can be a powerful way of generating business. You know, it's it can be a very powerful tool. And I feel like I've done enough speaking in the communities that I care about that I don't feel like I need to speak. I'm comfortable charging, you know, a, a relatively high speaking fee and being turned down. That's totally fine. If I really wanted everyone to say yes, I would probably decrease it. But I feel comfortable getting no's at this point. That's what I was going to ask. Do you ever experience FOMO? Like by not taking on the event, not lowering your price? Do you ever feel like, ah, am I making the right decision or even saying your price in the first place? Are you like, oh, what if they turn it down and then I won't have this opportunity? Not really, because usually it's a negotiation. 
So I've said five and then I've been, and they've been like, look, we just can't do more than 25. Like that's just the most we can do. Um, and I've said okay to that in the past, depending on their reasoning, size the conference, if I believe right. them, you know, like depending yeah, yeah, on yeah. the situation. But no, I don't think so. So the way that I phrase it is, so first of all, I never say my speaking fee upfront. I say, do you cover travel expenses and the speaking fee? And they'll usually either say, you know, yes or no. Sometimes they'll say, this is the most we can cover. And then usually they'll ask, like, what is your speaking fee? And I'll say, usually my speaking fee is 5000 And then it's kind of up to them to go, the most we can do is this. Or for them to go, I'm sorry, we just don't. Co-. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of, it's their right. decision. And most people, like, I don't think anyone has flat out said, actually, never mind. <laughs> you know? Totally. Like, it's, you know, it's usually been like, I'm really sorry. We just can't afford that. Or the best we can do is, you know, 500 I try and position it such that I am open. Like, it's more of, this is my standard. But what can you do? You know, totally. And I think it's important for all of us to remember that it's not a personal conversation. Somebody saying that they can't pay 5000 doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. I think it's really important for all of us to show up, to show up with our worth, you know, and I know I'm kind of getting a little hokey, but a lot of people ask me, out of all the episodes of you, what have you learned about women in tech globally? <laughs> and honestly, mm-hmm. it hasn't been anything about technology. It's been as a culture, we don't value ourselves enough. Yeah. I mean, the way I look at that is it's not about you. It's about the market. It's really that simple. Like it is not about what you think you are worth. It is what does the market think you are worth? And if I can get paid $5,000 to speak, the market has spoken. It has told me that my time is worth $5,000. Not to everyone, not all the time, but to somebody. And I found those people who, you know, are part of my market. I think the other kind of strategic thing to think about is to put yourself in a position where you don't need that one person to say yes. And I know this is hard. Mm. This is very, very situational, very subjective. And, you know, a lot of times you're just not in control. But if you are going after one lead and you just need that lead to say yes, maybe you should be going out for more leads. You know, maybe that's a sign that we need to double our sales efforts and try and have at least a handful at the same time. You know what I mean? Like if you're trying to speak at conferences, don't just email one conference organizer, email like 20 of them. And that way each one becomes a little less valuable and you're able to assert your your value with a little bit more confidence. Um, And so, I mean, the best negotiations are done when you can walk away. Like that is the ultimate negotiation move, right? My name is Dara Leshenka, CEO and partner at Support Your App. Support Your App provides customer and technical support 24-7 for other IT companies all over the world. We are based in Kyiv, Ukraine. I would say that it's obstacle I'm still overcoming probably every day. What is it? <laughs> it's people, you know, like, oh, yeah, people. Yeah, I don't like them either sometimes. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> kidding not kidding <laughs> you know like when you are the founder of company you have your goals right as a company as a founder of this company people even very loyal people they have other values mm. of course you have your cor- yeah. culture you have corporate corporate yeah. culture but it's still like if something would happen in your families it's always the people they face uh, different choices i would totally. say yeah and even very smart professional employees sometimes we have to say goodbye to them or they want to change something yeah. in their lives and it's always like the thing that i'm trying to obstacle because uh if we're talking about tough management and yeah. our company is based on processes right. because we have 
a lot of people here, like, but it was and we're still growing. Yeah. So that is why I'm trying to work only with the processes when even I, I have one key person, but I try to have at least two people. Right. So every person knows like kind of functional right. responsibilities of another person. Oh, I mean, that's so smart. It's kind of like an understudy in a play. Like if something were to happen to the star of the play, they get the flu or whatever may happen. There's an understudy that knows all the lines. So somebody gets stepped right, right away and the play can still go on. Yeah. Uh, such a good point. Team and hiring and managing and all of it is so hard. It is. It <laughs> it's is. so hard. Even when you have the best of people, it's still so hard. It's so hard. You're so right. That is a huge obstacle to overcome. And what is the best advice that you've gotten, do you think? One of the things that really sticks with you. You know, I'm still like have spinning in my head, like some only like thoughts, but it's not the, yeah. an advice. It's more like that I read books and I stick to these uh, things that you have to hire people very, very slowly and fire them very, very quickly. Yeah. So it's the thing, one thing that I try to do, because usually you employ your people very fast, yeah. very quickly, and then you couldn't just get rid of this person. Totally. And it's something that I want to change, change in my mindset as an entrepreneur and do not, you know, like lean to the um, only my my gut feeling or my emotions yeah only on prof on skills on on portfolio on references totally so relatable <laughs> you're like triggering like all my heartstrings and what would you say is one of the main advantages of being an entrepreneur here in the ukraine you were sharing that you were just in phoenix arizona you spent time in in boston massachusetts in um, japan tokyo like all oh wow the world. yeah um but you're based here in Kiev, Ukraine. And so what are some of the advantages of being here? It's the company, company, oh my gosh, it's country. The country is growing, you know, you still have. And so is the company. The company as well, <laughs> yeah, because you have different opportunities and you, you should use them smart. But you have these opportunities and it's great when you work with the international clients and you have the opportunity to grow Ukrainian market, Ukrainian economy by making your, you know, let's say, Ukrainians staying in Ukraine. So they don't need to go to live abroad if they know languages, if they are smart. They can just work, stay and live here in Ukraine and have great conditions, great compensations for what they do. I'm Anna Dolachai with Nanopay. Nanopay is a fintech company startup who's going to take over the world in digital transactions. I'm a software engineer here. We're based in Toronto, Canada. I like what it is that I do. So it's uh, really, honestly, it comes down to being able to have a problem and being able to solve it. It's almost like little victories every single day, um, even more victories. I, I completed three bugs yesterday. And when you're starting a bug and you're getting a ticket, you really don't know what the problem is. And then you work through it 
and at some point you're going to sit down and be like, I hate this goddamn thing. It's like, sorry to be swearing, but it's just, it, it's super frustrating because you know that you should know this, or at least you should be able to solve it. And yet the, the problem or the solution eludes you and then you solve it. And it's like, it's just, it's a great feeling of being able to do something. I feel like there's almost like an immediate reward. One thing that it's kind of relatable in terms of mathematics is that there's always an answer. You know, one plus one is going to equal two. Whether you get the right answer or not, there is a solution. So in computer science, I almost feel it's relatable in the sense that, like, if you have a solution, you'll, you'll know it. It either works or it doesn't. It's not marketing, for example, where you have something where it's like, it is great. It's a great piece of advertising, but you don't know for sure if it's going to succeed. There's so many random variables that could totally. interrupt and it's so disrupt. annoying. <laughs> you have to test all the angles. And you know what? Sometimes it's just about luck. And what are you supposed to do? Right. Totally. It's, but in computer science, it's not like that. You know, it's like you have a problem and you can solve it. There is a solution. And then once you find it, it's like, yes. And just so everybody knows, a bug is a glitch in the code and a ticket is being assigned the bug Mm -hmm. so that you could start problem solving. Absolutely. Yeah. So actually, you want to know an interesting historical fact about where bugs come from? Yes. Bugs as in bugs in code. Bugs in code. Yeah. So if I'm not mistaken, so originally computers were the size of a room, a building. So debugging software back in the day actually came quite literally from taking bugs out of the circuitry. And that's where debugging came from. Oh, like literal bugs. Literal bugs. I did not know that. Yeah. That's crazy. Fun times. So two last questions before we start to wrap up. Kind of three. Three, like a little (laughs) bonus question. First question I like to ask is, what's one huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? That's tricky because I feel like Life is always handing you about a thousand different things, and I don't look at them as obstacles. I look at them as just life being life. So if you're asking me, like, one specific event, it's... I would say the biggest heartbreak recently was my dog passing away. And even before that, I had another dog, and he passed away. I mean, those broke my heart in ways that you can't replace. But, you know, challenges in life are just continuous and constant. It's part of what makes things things. Totally. I, I've experienced that loss too. And that is definitely a huge obstacle Mm -hmm. to overcome. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I appreciate your vulnerability with sharing that. Mm. What's one of the best pieces of advice that you've gotten? Hmm. Stay true to yourself. Keep going. Don't give up. Just follow your heart. You know, honestly, because life's way too short. You should be doing what you want to do. Don't let anything stand your way. And last question, what is your favorite tech tool, hardware, or mobile app, software, website, Google search? (laughs) You know that site, like, Spencer sends it to me all the time. Like, if I ask a question that I should be Googling, what is it? I can't remember. It's like a joke site. It's like, you should have Googled that. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Oh, my gosh. I will find it, and we'll include it in the show notes. One thing I will tell you, though, is that, like, Growing up, I remember, you know, if you wanted to have some sort of knowledge, you would go to the library and do some research. And today, I pick up my phone and I Google search it. The knowledge is right there in front of you. You just have to take the time to do it. And that's why I love it.
The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.